For MeatPoultry.com, I'm Kimberly Klima, Executive Editor. As the coronavirus pandemic continues, the food industry, and more specifically, the meat and poultry industry, is changing every day. Processors first had to switch production and distribution from food service to retail as restaurants all over began to close. Grocery shelves started to empty as shoppers stocked up on food during initial stay-at-home orders around the country, and now processing plants are closing either temporarily or indefinitely as workers are becoming ill from the virus. There is still ample meat and poultry and meat cases around the country, but the industry is unsure about how shuttered plants will ultimately affect the food supply. Consumers are rightfully worried about how all these changes will affect their lives. In this episode of the Meat and Poultry podcast, I sat down with Michael Utes, principal at Maiden Marketing, to hear more about Maiden's recent consumer research. In late March, Maiden conducted a survey to find out what's going on in the consumer's head right now during the coronavirus crisis in relation to their meat and poultry shopping habits, their concerns about food safety, and their growing anxieties regarding food insecurity during the pandemic. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here, Kimberly. Thank you. First, can you start by telling us a little about Maiden Marketing, when your agency started, and what work you focus on in relation to the meat industry? Sure. Um, Maiden Marketing has been in existence since October of 2004. Uh, Danette Amstein, my co-founder and the other principal of Maiden, started Maiden in October of 2004. So we have celebrated our 15th anniversary last fall, so we're very excited about that. Uh, Danette and I met while we were working for America's Cattlemen at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Um, Both of us have deep roots in agriculture, mine being in North Dakota and Danette's being in Kansas. Uh, We both grew up in the industry and feel incredibly fortunate to be both uh, making a living in agriculture and also really giving back to our roots. Uh, Maiden is a full service agency offering client services in marketing communications, research, and public relations. Um, our, our sole focus is on meat. We think that that's uh, one of our uniquenesses in that um, we work with anybody who is interested in moving meat from farm to fork. Um, we spend a lot of time working in understanding um, and learning from the consumer. Uh, that's another, I think, one of our uniquenesses is I've been, I've, I've been a market researcher all my career. Um, and so when we started Maiden, one of the, one of the things that Didette and I wanted to make front and center was that we, we really truly believe that it's the consumer who drives, who should drive the industry. Uh, because if we, don't, if we don't deliver on what they're needing, then um, chances are we're not gonna be successful no matter who we are in this industry. So we regularly engage the meat consumer and uh, really work to understand what they want and show them the value we offer to, uh, in order to fulfill those needs. And um, another uniqueness I think that Maiden brings uh, to the industry is that we've assembled a team of professionals that are really passionate about the meat industry. Part of that group are um, our account managers who work day in and day out with our clients and are, are focused on delivering solutions. And all of our account managers have an ag background. 
either they grew up on a on a ranch, a cattle ranch or a hog farm or uh, working with poultry or some other ag, ag platform, or they uh, at least have, a, have either um, a degree from a, uh, an ag school um, and or have worked in the industry for, uh, in, in some fashion. So they bring that knowledge and understanding of the industry to the program, to the team and to the clients. So uh, we're very excited about that. And then, of course, we've got an extended uh, team of researchers, creatives, copywriters, social and digital team members, all bringing their expertise to uh, of their own disciplines uh, to our clients in the meat industry. Okay, great. So, um, speaking of the the consumer and your customer insights part of your business, what types of research do you do with consumer? Are they one-on-one -on -one interviews, surveys, or does that run the gamut as far as what kind of research you conduct? You know, we we've done a little bit of everything, Kimberly. Um, we um, we historically had done a lot of online and both what we call qualitative and quantitative. Uh, the qualitative tended to be more um, you know, touching kind of uh, research in that we would have focus groups or one-on-ones where you'd you know, sit in a room um, and actually have a conversation with consumers. Um, it's gotten so that um, those, we're, we're sort of moving away from those because of the cost, but also um, because of our, our need to get a feel for a, a broader scope of opinion from consumers, more on a national and sometimes even an international basis. So um, a lot of the research we do today is online. And it's, it's all about um, going out and, um, you know, working with a nationally representative sample of U.S. shoppers to understand their needs and uh, um, perhaps how they react to uh, a certain piece of, of, of research or, or other stimuli um, that we're putting in front of them, a product, a service, um, an idea that a client has that we want to get their opinion on. Um, and even online, there's a lot of different ways to do that. You can um, put out a survey, you can run what they call bulletin boards or other kind of formats where you're actually interacting um, visually through uh, programs like Zoom um, that, you know, very similar to what we do today, given that we're um, all locked down in our homes. Um, so th there's a lot of options to go out and talk to a lot of consumers and get a lot of great information. Okay, great. So rolling right into it, I understand that you recently did some specific research relating to the, the current COVID-19 crisis that we're all under, and you looked in a little to um, consumer shopping habits, and in particular when it comes to meat. So can you tell me a little about the research? How did this, um, how did you organize it? Who was surveyed? And, and specifically what, what you were looking to learn from the research? Sure. So um, one thing that we do here at my, we, we do a lot of uh, customer specific research. We've done that from our inception, but we've also focused on what we call proprietary research. And our proprietary research is all about really um, uh, putting ourselves in, in a student's role and going out and trying to understand um, the evolution of the consumer and the evolution of the industry and, and different key players within the industry. That's part of this platform we call, we're calling our customer insights. Um, the insights piece is all about sorting through content, identifying themes and trends, evaluating potential impact, uh, and then ultimately serving it back to the, to the industry, um, as well as our team, our internal team and our clients, to hopefully have an impact on on where they're going and what they're doing and how they actually um, execute their marketing programs. Uh, this particular piece of research was, was timely in the fact that 
you know, we spend a lot of time talking to the meat consumer and therefore we wanted to go out in this time where we knew that there's a lot of, of, of disruption for the consumer um, and even a little chaos probably built in there and find out what's going on in their head. Um, we were looking at some of the trend numbers on sales and we knew that given that the food service industry had shut down and everything had shifted to, to, the, uh, to the retail side of the, the business and or online, that consumers would be somewhat out of their comfort zone as far as how they were getting product and, um, um, and, and uh, you know, exactly what this meant to their lives on a daily basis. So we went out and talked to a nationally representative sample of consumers. Uh, we wanted to actually break it up into generations because we thought that this would be really interesting to find out if there was a difference in responses from millennials versus Gen Xers versus boomers. Uh, we fielded the research uh, the latter part of March and our overall goal was to understand potential shifts in consumer meat purchasing behavior intentions and concerns. Um, we know that um, there had been a lot of press out there in the time building up to when we executed our survey about um, empty shelves, about the fact that there were shortages in dry goods and food and meat categories. Um, and we really wanted to find out from consumers um, about their concern about the virus and then their levels of concern and how it impacted what, it, what, what was happening when they actually went to shop for meat. So um, the, the, the research was really all about um, understanding the consumer and how do we as an industry be responsive to a consumer who's in crisis. Okay. So um, looking at the research, how have the consumers adapted their meat buying habits and like you said, the differences in the different generations? Well, um, we found out that um, at least two thirds of consumers said that they were very concerned about the virus, which honestly doesn't surprise us much. What was interesting though, was that the millennial shopper in particular voiced concern. Um, and if you look at, at the difference in the millennial response to being very concerned um, compared to the, the uh, general population, um, there, three quarters of the, of the millennial population said that they were very concerned. So that's pretty, that's significantly higher than, than the two thirds of the general population. Um, as we dug down a little deeper, there were, there were a lot of different types of, of issues that they were identifying in their shopping habits that actually um, came about based on the, on the uh, concerns. I um, mean, in particular, that really revolved around safety and the availability of meat. Um, we found that, um, that in particular, the industry, uh, there was concerns about the industry running out of meat. Um, that led to a lot of panic shopping, stocking up, freezing of meat, et cetera. And then ultimately the fear that this, <laughs> this isn't just gonna be a short-term problem, it's something that a lot of a lot of consumers voiced that they thought would um, would have an impact uh, for an extended period of time in the future. Were they? Um, did they express concern about, in relation to food safety, the actual safeness of the foods they are eating, or just a, a general um, concern about just you know safety with with health and and those mm -hmm. types of topics yeah no it, it was it was an interesting transition of the concept of food safety because um on, on the one hand you know we've always we've always worked hard as an industry because of our fresh nature to to work with with um the consumer and helping them understand all the lengths we go through to give them the safest product product available from uh from a food contaminant perspective etc 
Um, the, the safety that consumers kind of tended to go to in this survey was more of an insecurity um, in safety in uh, that they were concerned about um, that the, the, the products coming in and um, did the, the processing process take care of um, eliminating the virus before it hit the store. If the store is being handled in the back of the, uh, of, the of the meat department by meat uh, meat personnel at retail, um, did they in the process of touching the meat, did they keep it safe? And even went to the extent of, and then I'm going in in, in a self service case or a coffin, and I'm picking up a, a package, and I'm wondering, did did another consumer pick that package up, and could I could it have been infected, and do I have to be concerned about that? You know, the press was talking about the uh, protocols that they were recommending in when you bring home product from the grocery store or you get a package from one of the delivery services and you bring it in, is, the, is it possible that the contaminated is on the package? Um, in either of those kind of cases, and there's, there's very specific protocol they've been going through in telling consumers how to deal with that. And we found that um, to be very top of mind for consumers as they thought about shopping for meat. And uh, part of the insecurity was that part of, is it going to be safe? And then the other part of this insecurity came about with, um, is, is there going to be product there for me but, uh, to buy because there were so many out of stocks? Is, did you find that that was higher or lower for any of the generations as far as um, that food insecurity issue? Yes, absolutely. Again, um, it was interesting because millennials tended to over-index on all of our concern areas. Um, we, uh, we talked about the concern in general, and I told you it was, it was about three quarters of millennials versus two thirds of the general population. Um, millennials also over-indexed on purchasing more meat overall, on their concern about food safety, about uh, freezing meat more often than they usually do, about stockpiling, and about their fear of uh, limited supplies. So um, as, we, as we dug into that a little bit more, and um, with the understanding that we have of the millennial and the fact that we've been tracking um, consumers, and not only um, through the work that we've, you know, we introduced our segmentation platform, but also if we look at generations, how are generation, generationally, how are, how are consumers responding? Um, the millennial generation is one that really began the huge push on, on wanting more transparency, wanting more information, wanting to feel more comfortable about the products that they were purchasing and sort of the backstory about how they were produced and how they got to uh, the place where they're ready to purchase and uh, really trying to have a better connection with not only the products they're purchasing, but the companies that are supplying that. And we think that probably the driver behind the enhanced concern that millennials have goes right at the core of that needing um, to know, needing to um, have that transparency from their suppliers and really trusting that the, uh, the, the, the manufacturers and their retailers that they're shopping in um, are actually um, doing everything they can to be serving up the safest product possible. Hear from the experts in the industry on the Meat and Poultry Podcast. The latest news, trends, technologies, and people in the world of meat and poultry processing delivered right into your ears. Listen every Friday and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So along those lines, then how can processors and then retailers who are obviously the ones who are directly um, in communication with consumers, how can they 
help alleviate the consumer concerns right now during this this crisis? What sorts of communication should they be doing and, and how can they help put everyone's minds at ease? Well, um, I, I think the, the key here is to over-communicate at this time. Uh, I think we do a fairly good job on an ongoing basis um, in, in, all phase, in all phases of our production system to try to be um, forthcoming in the brands that we offer up to consumers, um, given that there's a lot of touch points before it even hits a retail store or ends up on a, um, on a uh, plate in a restaurant. But in particular right now, consumers are getting information at the point of sale at retail and they're getting information online and they're getting information from, um, from uh, media in general. And so our, our, um, our challenge to the industry is to work to, even though I know we're all moving very fast in trying to make sure that we keep product moving through the supply chain, we also have to remember that we've got to continue to communicate with the end user in um, keeping them up to speed about um, things like everything we're doing at the plant in order to keep uh, products safe. Um, you know, every plant uh, that I know of right now is, has intensified cleaning, cleaning of the plant and having extended plant cleaning shifts. Um, they're looking at uh, temperature screening, they're using plastic barriers, they're prohibiting visitors, they're um, increasing pay for workers in this time of crisis so that people continue to come to work. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're shutting down when they need to to make cleaning uh, opportunities uh, uh, possible, et cetera. So there's a lot that we're doing um, at the plant level to hopefully contain um, um, the virus, keep the product moving through the system, but also working to, to, to um, maintain the safety of the product. Uh, when we look at what's happening at retail, uh, more communication at the meat case with um, explanations as to why there might not be as many products on the shelf or explanations behind why we're limiting it, uh, limiting purchases to one or two packages per customer. Um, it's not because we're running out of meat at this point. It's really because uh, people are, are panicked because they're uncertain about a the future because perhaps they're not getting the right messages about or the factual messages about how much meat is in the system and, and is available to put in the stores. Um, but instead they're looking visually um, at the fact that their case is empty or they couldn't, they couldn't get uh, a package of chicken breast. They couldn't give you more ground beef. They couldn't buy you know, the steaks or pork chops that they traditionally looked for. Um, and then the media has been um, pretty, uh, uh, pretty regularly serving up information about plant closings and about um, the supply chain and you know, sending up early warning signs that there, there could be a disruption in the supply chain, which is and will continue to be a challenge for our industry. But none of that helps the consumer in feeling confident and therefore we still get panic buying, et cetera. So again, going back to over communication about the situation, um, assuring them that we've got enough supply, assuring it that, uh, them that we're doing so many different, so many different types of, of procedures and protocols to make sure that we're serving up the safest product when they buy it. Are there any different methods of communication that um, the meat industry or in particular the retail side could be using to at this time since everyone is is at home and and you know maybe not even going to the stores as much are there any different ways that they might consider communicating yeah absolutely Kimberly um, I mean so much has gone digital and um, you know everybody right now is is, is uh, you know if they're not making their way to the store and they're having product delivered um, you know, there's, there is the option of continuing to, to put uh, notices on the websites where they're going to make orders. 
Um, there's putting notices in the packages that they have delivered to the store or to, to the home. Um, there is regular uh, communications, open lines of communication with the major news media uh, platforms to uh, be proactive about feeding information and keeping the media up to speed so that there isn't more questions than answers from the media as they serve up content in the nightly news, for instance. So I think um, we need to think differently about how we're communicating and it has to be really meeting consumers about where they're engaging with us and with our products today. And that will be you know, really online and whatever's delivered to their door, online, on TV and on, um, to their door. Were there anything um, in particular in your in this research that just jumped out at you as as something very unexpected um, that you learned about about the consumers and how they're dealing with this situation? You know, um, the uh, perhaps the the uh, the transition the the uh, I guess the the way consumers went from a a situation where. Um, they knew that there was somewhat of a new normal. They were at home and then they began to, um, uh, you know, go to the grocery store or go online and start shopping. And they saw that, that um, there were some things that were going to be a bit of out of stock. And then um, the, the, the initial reaction wasn't just about, I got to buy, I got a stockpile. But for the meat industry in particular, and we learned in our research that it went immediately to, we're going to run out of meat products. Um, so it was a huge leap and therefore it escalated, I think, the concerns and the panic buying when uh, they didn't understand um, the way we work and the fact that there is a lot of product in cold storage. There's a lot of product that is being, uh, that was, at, you know, continues to be produced on a daily basis and moving through the system. Um, there's a lot of different alternative types of meat protein that they can purchase. Things that they may not have been uh, used to buying. Uh, you know, one thing we saw is that Consumers are buying a, a lot more variety of products than they had, both within species and or categories and outside of the categories and species. Um, the, uh, um, the lack of understanding though from consumers on how meat actually gets to them was kind of alarming and, and, and just escalates you know, the, 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 uh, the need for us to continue to, to uh, share information with in particular the younger generations about, about our system and the way we operate and all we do in continuing to move a lot of product um, from farm to fork on a regular basis and uh, do our best to uh, make it available um, in a very safe format for consumers. Great. Um, is Maiden planning any other research um, projects at the moment relating to to the current pandemic and everything that we're going through, or um, are you looking down the road at your next <laughs> when we're when we're done with all of this? <laughs> oh no, oh no. Um, we uh, we are absolutely looking at staying in touch with the consumer throughout this this pandemic. We're actually in the process right now. You know, the first piece of research that we talked about, uh, Kimberly, was what we call a benchmark. Uh, we really wanted to go out and sort of set a stake in the ground. And in our, in our first survey, we asked about shopping habits before um, they were, um, you know, before the pandemic hit and before we were, we were all uh, in a stay in a shelter in place uh, uh, living situation. And uh, we started seeing things happen at retail that was different before food service was shut down. Then we also talked to them about what's happened since. And we're about uh, seven weeks into this now. 
Um, we are in the process of, of, of getting another survey ready to go out to consumers to continue to build off of that benchmark piece of research to see how consumers um, are, um, are, are dealing with this throughout the, the, the process. Um, part of that is the industry has stepped up in a lot of instances and has been trying to do a better job of communicating proactively about the situation with safety, the situation with supply, et cetera. Are consumers getting any of those messages? What else can we do to reassure consumers of, of the safety issues and of the supply situation? Um, are they, are they uh, um, you know, to, to the other part we talked about, where are they getting their information and where do we need to be to serve that information up? So it's gonna be important that, that we continue to monitor consumers, we continue to hang in there with them, uh, with the goal of, at the end of this, uh, end of, when we get to the other end and we start coming out of this and, 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 and enter into this, whatever is gonna be the sort of the new way that we, that consumers uh, engage with our product and how they purchase and bring it home um, or consume it away from home, that they were, they, they still have a good relationship with us. They feel good about what we did in communicating with them and reassuring them and delivering for them. And they still remain loyal to us and want to have us as part of their meal solution. Um, you know, we'll need to continue to monitor and adjust products and services. Um, our, you know, our educational platforms, our marketing platforms, et cetera, throughout this process. You know, what we're doing, what we did before we came into this pandemic, what we're doing now in the middle of it, um, both of those scenarios are probably going to look a lot different than what we do three, four, five months, or you know, depending on who you talk to, six months to a year or more when we start coming out and, and, and figuring out, um, you know, sort of settling into the new norm. Um, we need to start preparing for what that might look like and get glimmers of what that might look like throughout this, this, uh, this period by going out and talking to consumers. And that's, that's really what Maiden does. Uh, we, we look at it as an opportunity for us to learn and um, also an opportunity to keep the industry um, informed about what their, what their consumers are, are thinking and feeling about us. Well, great. That sounds like we'll be able to follow up later and find out the, the next phase of what you, you guys learned. Yes, absolutely. Um, so is there anything else you can think of that you'd like to, to share about either anything that you guys are working on or just what the, the industry is is going through at this time? You know, um, I would like to um, I would like to share a little bit more about our our, our platform of information. Um, we we we're working really hard to um, to provide content, to provide insights like our research uh, to the industry. You know, one of the things that that Maiden wants to 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 continue to to do is to be a a source of of content and information and learning uh, for the industry and. So we do have an, an, ins an insights team within Maiden that is focused on this every single day. Um, the, uh, the goal of the insights work is really to share ideas to help meet companies move forward. You know, we work to curate content, uh, whether it's either primary or secondary research, stuff that we do ourselves, the primary part, secondary, someone else did some research perhaps within our industry uh, or specific to the meat consumer or perhaps something totally out of our industry not even in, in, in food, um, but we see it as, as interesting, an interesting to approach to, to uh, analyzing consumer behavior and response. And we bring it in and try to apply it to the meat consumer and, and, and how we as an industry um, interact with the consumer. 
Um, you know, we try to bring that kind of information in. We develop key learnings and insights from the information. And then, uh, you know, based on what we feel is relevant and significant, we, we, we are trying to, to do a better job of sending that out through our, through our, um, our email uh, campaign that we have with everybody who follows us, um, both from an email perspective, but all, also all of our online presence and whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or, um, or Twitter, you know, we've got platforms out there where we use um, those channels to continue to send out these insights, uh, bits of information, storylines of content, et cetera. Um, so we're excited to continue with that. You know, this COVID research that we did on the meat consumer and where they're at right now was a part of that. But um, uh, we're, uh, we're, very in, uh, we're very intent on continuing our efforts in, um, in creating content um, and, and sharing that with the industry, uh, you know, with the goal of making sure that we're all very aware and uh, we have um, good, solid information and continue to be challenged about what, where this industry is headed and how we continue to um, keep, a, keep the consumer um, aligned with our product and wanting us to be part of their meal solution. Great. So where could, um, can people go to, to hook up with your communication? Just go to your website, start there, and then sign up for, for other ways that you guys communicate? Yes, absolutely. You can go to um, mymarketing.com, and um, we've got uh, quite a bit of content right on the front page that uh, we've, we've served up um, recently. And, and uh, there's a place there where you can uh, sign up to be a part of our ongoing outbound communications platform and, and we can share with you all the different uh, options for uh, being being uh, a part of our community. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Michael. I really appreciate it and for sharing us uh, with us that information that is very top of mind for everyone going through um, what we all are going through both at home and in our industry today. So I appreciate your time and um, the information you shared. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I just want to do a, a, a shout out to all of those essential service workers who are, are working in this meat industry, working to bring product to the consumer. It's pretty amazing. Um, uh, they, they truly are essential service providers. And uh, without their help, uh, you know, we, we would have a lot of challenges in getting protein to consumers. So appreciate that. Very true and appreciate them all. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Make sure to check out the latest stories from the magazine and online at meatpoultry.com. Also follow us on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at Meat Poultry. And if you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really helps us. All right, that's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening and have a great day.